Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Walton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Daniel Stanton and Brian Fugit. Daniel Stanton, also known as Mr. Supply Chain, is quite well known in supply chain management. He had a career at uh, CAT, and he also had been in the U.S. Navy and many other experiences as well. He now is um, the president and CEO of his own company, and he's been involved in startups, and he's a supply chain futurist with IBM, and I've known him for quite a long time. Daniel, thank you so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Matt, thank you so much for having me. And I also have Brian Fugit. He is uh, chair of the Department of Supply Chain Management here in the Sam M. Walton College of Business and a professor in the department. He also holds the Orrin Harris Chair in Transportation. And under his leadership, the Department of Supply Chain Management became the number one undergraduate supply chain management program in the country based on the Gartner ranking, which is the most authoritative ranking for supply chain departments. Um, thanks for joining me today, Brian. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Matt. So the three of us have known one another for quite a while. We've been in the supply chain and logistics area Daniel, I think I first met you when you were at Caterpillar, if I remember correctly. And you would come out here to Northwest Arkansas periodically to our Supply Chain Management Research Center, and I'd see you at CSCMP and other places and always enjoyed visiting with you. I want to start out just on a little different track here. I know, Daniel, you really have been a thought leader in supply chain management for some time. And I know that you have um, a huge number of followers on LinkedIn. I think it's over 50,000, uh, which is uh, quite remarkable. I mean, there are very few people with that many followers. And would you mind just sharing a little bit about, and I know you're, you're humble, but how have you developed into the thought leader uh, that you are? First of all, to have um, Dr. Matt Waller call me a thought leader is is one of, of the most um, humbling things that I can imagine. So thank you for that amazing compliment. But I, you know, as supply chain folks, we're always looking for metrics, right? And and so, you know, you you hit right on one that a lot of folks use in the in the world of social media, which is the the number of followers. And um you know for for me it is um it is genuinely less about how many how many people there are um, showing up in that metric than about how many people there are who are interested in the same things that I'm interested in and, and truly engage in conversations about stuff that that matter to me. So you know what I I can kind of um, look look at that group and say okay well I mean it. In that in that community of followers, because that's really what what it is, is it's it's a community of folks that have, you know, some overlap, some intersection of interest with mine. I think the vast majority of them 
you know, are, are tied into supply chain, right? Um, there's another big group that that has a real interest in military stuff and veterans issues. Um, and and certainly there's some overlap between supply chain and, and, and military and veteran stuff. And then there's another community that that's um, uh, around, you know, I'll say, Students, people making career transitions, people trying to 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 get ahead in one way or another. And so, um, you know, the things that I talk about on social media, well, well, I mean, that tends to be it, right? It's a lot of stuff about supply chain, a little bit about military, national defense, innovation, opportunities for veterans. And then, you know, a lot of stuff about how, how do you get ahead? How do you learn? How do you um, ad- advance yourself and the people around you? And then I, so I think that's really reflected then in the people that are drawn into the stuff that I talk about. So being out on social media, um, I know that there are a lot of hacks. There are a lot of gimmicks. There are a lot of things that people do to to inflate the metrics, I guess is probably the right way to say it. Um and I've looked at those and I understand them, but genuinely what, what I've found is, you know, it, it, getting a bunch of people who are either not real people or are not interested in the stuff that I'm interested in talking about in that community, well, that doesn't do anybody any good. And so, um, you know, when, I, I, I love your observation that, you know, when I put something up there, there, there tends to be a lot of conversation about it. And, and the reason for that is because that's my tribe, Right. That's where I'm having conversations about the things that matter to me with other people that are interested in those same things. Well, I know, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why we became friends quickly was I remember the first time I met you, we had a really interesting conversation about supply chain management and leadership. And I think that sometimes people can be good at that in person, but they aren't so good at it electronically through digital and vice versa. But you clearly are both. And so, to some degree, that's the topic of what we're talking about today is really thought leadership. And and there's a reason for that that I want to talk about it. But the Walton College vision statement says that through our teaching, research, and service, we're to be thought leaders and catalysts for transforming lives. And that first piece, you know, I just thought it would be interesting to have you two on because uh, you're a practitioner thought leader, and Brian is a academic thought leader. And the other thing that you two have in common is LinkedIn. Um, he has uh, half as many followers as you do, but 25,000 is a lot, in my opinion, way more than I have. But Brian, you know, one of the reasons we were really thrilled to have him come in, not only as a professor, but as the chair of the department is, we knew that we had lots of uh, talent in our department, but uh, we needed a leader in that department that could really drive our thought leadership portion of our vision statement, as well as the the serving as a catalyst for transforming lives, you know, to, to, to drive thought leadership, right? There's a, there's the research component, there's the teaching component, and there's the service component. But Brian, with your experience, you picked up a lot of experience with process improvement. One area that you brought as thought leadership in the teaching area was you created a class where students used process improvement techniques to 
improve advising, which we needed. Would you mind speaking to that a little bit? You know, yeah. So my background is process improvement and lean and, you know, kind of Toyota production system and the auto industry and, you know, that whole world. And so we had taught process improvement in our program, you guys had, in classes, but we didn't have a standalone class. And so the opportunity to, to create a course like that uh, presented itself. And, and of course, I jumped on it. Whenever it came to this process improvement course, talking with, with our senior associate dean, Anna Valeria Kelly, about it, you know, she asked, hey, could we apply it in our college? And one of the reasons that jumped out at me as a, as a good opportunity is hopefully, you know, it drives process improvement thinking within our college, both, you know, our faculty, our staff, but our, and our students as well. And then, you know, hopefully they'll take some learnings from that and, and apply it, you know, in the rest of, in the rest of the college. And so, you know, when we started, we had, it was just your typical uh, process improvement approach where, you know, at the beginning, we, we visibly saw lines and lines of students outside of, in the hallway. I have pictures of students standing out there waiting and, and I went up and talked to them and they were frustrated. Um, and then after the advisors really went through this, the advising team led this with our core students. After they, you know, kind of went from the where it was to, to the future state and started working towards that, the next time around during registration, you know, there were still some students out there, but nowhere near as many. But you also, whenever you talk to the advisors, you hear them thinking, you know, and talking about what next, what else can they improve? You know, Jeff Hood, you know, went from, and he'll tell you someone who pushed back on this to start with, to someone he'll tell you he, he loves process improvement now, and he's constantly looking at it. Well, sticking to the theme of thought leadership and teaching, Daniel, I know you have a number of best-selling courses on LinkedIn Learning, Supply Chain Basics for Everyone, Supply Chain and Operations Careers, Careers in Supply Chain Operations, Job Skills, Implementing Supply Chain Management, and, and many others. And on top of that, you are the author of Supply Chain Management for Dummies. Your accomplishments in both of those regards, LinkedIn Learning Courses and your book, are quite remarkable. Writing books is a lot of work. What inspired you to to write Supply Chain for Dummies? You know, I, I'd love to say that I, I had this vision, I had to write the book, and I pitched it. And um, there's some truth to that. But 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 honestly, where it started was back at Bradley University in Peoria uh, when I was working for Caterpillar. They I, I'd worked with uh, the marketing department there on creating an undergraduate program for supply chain. So I very much like I had been at the University of Arkansas, I was on the advisory board, right? Because it, you know, they, they were right up the street, I was able to take a, a more active role there. And you know, we, we mapped out sort of the, the journey that a, a, an undergraduate would need to take to get this broad exposure to supply chain, and then to be able to go into depth in, in the areas that were of particular interest to them. And I, I think um, Brian's a great example of it. I am too, somebody that started off in engineering, moved over to the business side, and that's sort of really a great skill set for supply chain. So that was our vision at Bradley was 
how do we bring both the engineering students and the business school students together from the beginning to talk about what supply chain is and to understand that, and then to be able to take their own independent journeys, you know, depending on which college they were in. When we got done with it, the department had turned to me and said, you are going to teach the introductory course for us now, right? That put me in the position of saying, okay, well, I have to go find a textbook, right? I've got this vision for a course that is a, a broad introduction that'll work for either engineers or business students and maybe even folks that aren't really going to study supply chain but are going to need to understand supply chain to apply it in a career in marketing or professional sales. Where's the best textbook for that? None of them really fit well for what I needed to accomplish. And so I more or less created the outline for my own textbook for that course. But I did something different. Instead of sitting down and writing the textbook, I created the outline. And then every week I, I made each of the students basically write a chapter for themselves. So each of the students came out at the end of the class with their own textbook that they had written that covered all of these key topics. And so, you know, I, I did that for a couple of years. It worked really, really well. I, I felt like the students learned a lot and enjoyed it and, and got a lot from it. And then down the road, the folks from Wiley reached out to me and said, would you consider writing a, a book for us? We're looking for somebody to do supply chain management for dummies. And I said, well, I know exactly how I do it. I've already got the outline written. I know what needs to go in every chapter. The real takeaway from me for that whole experience is there really was a need for this introductory book to supply chain. And the Four Dummies brand was a perfect place to do that. You know, it's a common frustration in the supply chain community that we have so many career opportunities and we struggle to attract young people into supply chain careers intentionally. And by having the opportunity to, to write the Supply Chain Management for Dummies book, what I found is an excellent way to target a lot of those people. Absolutely. And you mentioned a lot of people don't know about this discipline. Many times they major in other things and realize they should have gone into supply chain or wish they would have uh, because they wind up in a supply chain job. And Brian... Your department recently rolled out the new Masters of Science in Supply Chain Management and um, truly really helped these people that maybe they majored in something else and they wind up in a supply chain position and they can come into the program and get geared up to be a professional in supply chain and they don't have to do it full time. You can do it part time. But you just started this program this semester. How are you working to make sure that the Masters of Science in Supply Chain Management is at the same level of quality as the undergraduate program? From a curriculum perspective, there's a similar, you know, a similar approach that we did at the undergraduate level where we, we worked with our Supply Chain Management Research Center partners, so our partner companies, and let them engage with us and we engage with them to understand what you know what's important right now and so we had a lot of qualitative research if you will discussions with them and then we've gone back and we've done a survey to a lot of potential candidates out there and companies out there to understand what companies are needing and then we've taken that and we followed up with really you know kind of psychographic interviews to understand 
what potential students might really want out of a program. And so it's that that continuous, you know, continually learning, engaging with industry, discussions with great folks like Daniel Stanton to understand, you know, what is it that we should be driving? And then just continually adapting the program that way. So if I can, I'm going to ask a question uh, to Daniel based on something he mentioned. And it really gets a little bit up to your question, Matt. Here, being in Northwest Arkansas, which you know some would say is kind of the epicenter of supply chain management, perhaps, you would think that students coming into our program, undergraduate students coming into our program, would know what supply chain management is. But we still struggle with that. How do you think we as a discipline can communicate that better to those at that stage in their life? You know, we've, we've been having the same conversation as long as I've I've known both of you, right? In lots of different yeah. places. You know, the, the joke is always that supply chain management is like Rodney Dangerfield, right? I mean, we, we get no respect, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, everything in our lives depends on supply chains. I will tell you, I think the single most useful marketing tool for supply chain management has been COVID-19, right? It's just amazing. As soon as everybody runs out of toilet paper, that is like, where does that come from and why can't I get it now? Um, and uh, so I, I honestly, I mean, I think that's one of the things that we should all be doing right now, and not in a, a negative opportunistic way, but in the way of, you know, it, it's a it's a teachable moment to say, listen, this is what supply chains are. This is where they work. This is how things move around the world, why things move around the world and and how the things that that happen in our environment and the choices and the decisions that we make end up having, you know, so, some pretty far reaching consequences it's pretty hard to sell a product that a customer has never heard of and doesn't know that they want. But I would argue, you know, so many of the things that I see in the news around politics and economic policy reflect a pretty serious unawareness of how the, you know, global supply chains work and how dependent we all are on one another. And I guess you can have a philosophical argument that buying things from other countries is wrong and we should buy and make and you know create everything in our home countries but that's sort of a rejection of like 250 years of economic development it really then takes out of the equation a lot of the things that we enjoy about modern life supply chains give us access to things that we couldn't have under different circumstances, right? So bring that down to more practical examples. Like you can go into a grocery store in Cincinnati, Ohio, and buy bananas 365 days of the year. That doesn't happen without a global supply chain. Well, you, you know, know, when we were growing up, right, there were so many things you couldn't get. I mean, I, I just say I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri. We didn't have very much variety of fish available, and the cost was high. And, you know, you guys, you said it, you're in the epicenter of what's driven a lot of this transformation. Northwest Arkansas has played a huge role in giving the world access 
to whatever it wants, whenever it wants it, really pretty cheaply. So really, I mean, for the the last six months, since February, I genuinely lost count of the number of media appearances that I did, you know, Fox News and MSNBC and CNBC, because it was like everybody heard the term supply chain for the first time. Um, and, and suddenly having having the nickname Mr. Supply Chain, um, <laughs> you know, it just means that I rank well in Google. So they're like, well, where do we find somebody that knows this? Well, that guy probably <laughs> could talk about it. So when your parents named you, did you feel any pressure to go in that direction? <laughs> I want to shift gears just for a moment here, still talking about thought leadership. Brian, uh, you were editor-in-chief, co-editor-in-chief of the Journal of Supply Chain Management, one of the top journals, academic peer-reviewed journals in the field for four years. I think your term just went up. But one of the things that I know from my experience in academics is that being nominated and put into the position of editor-in-chief of a, a journal, especially the top journal, is a huge vote of confidence. But your effort there was clearly uh, helping us from a thought leadership perspective with respect to our vision. But that was a lot of work. And I know that your journal gets hundreds of submissions and very few ever make it into print. But as editor-in-chief, you have to review all of them that are coming in to some degree, and then you have to assign them to associate editors for further uh, review, and they eventually go out to uh, other academics for uh, review. Given what you saw coming across your desk, do you feel like there really is progress being made in terms of our understanding of phenomena associated with supply chain management? Well, absolutely. I think if you look at the history of of our discipline, the understanding of supply chain phenomenon has has gone deeper and really multiplied, gotten much broader. You know, and one of the one of the ways that we saw that at, at, at the Journal of Supply Chain Management was the the number of citations. So other journals that were looking and reading our research in our journal and the supply chain journal that were coming from other disciplines, you know, economics and from some some new areas that such as uh, ethics and sustainability from technology related disciplines, you know, a lot of the, the blockchain and all of that, how, how they would cite our journal. And so that's one indicator that that we are doing something of value that people outside of supply chain are are paying attention and building off of of what we do in our discipline. So, um, you know, I believe that the research has has, has become more rigorous, um, and and we continue to be you know highly relevant. I believe, and and I think you can see that in practice as well today. Well, well Daniel, Daniel. Uh, along those same lines. You are recognized by IBM Watson Supply Chain as a supply chain futurist. So you're contributing to advancing the field from a research perspective as a practitioner in a different way. 
What what are your thoughts um, on this? Do you feel like knowledge is advancing? Is it advancing slowly, quickly? Uh, what are some gaps that you see? You know, it, it seems like one of the real challenges is there is so much ground to cover in supply chain management. And that perspective and that understanding is so unevenly distributed among the folks that are affected by it. You know, if, if you think about the role that supply chain management would play in a, a company, right? Like, well, who are the people in a company that need to understand some of these basic, you know, you guys use the word phenomenon, right? So um, things like the bullwhip effect, things like uh, supplier segmentation and supplier relationship management, collaborative innovation. Who in the company actually needs to be versed in those things in order to to make good decisions and to do it consistently? And I think a lot of times you figure out the answers like everybody, right? <laughs> because yeah. um, when you run into places where they have influence and, and decision-making authority and they don't have that whole picture, it screws it up for everybody. And so we're, we're kind of finally making progress, raising awareness of what supply chain management is, pulling it down to the level of being able to explain it in a dummies book so that you can sort of like have everybody on the executive staff read it and then do a book club with all the people on their teams. And, and now everybody sort of understands what you're trying to get to. But that takes time, right? That's a lot of information. That's a lot of change of perspective. That doesn't happen overnight. And at the same time that, that we're just trying to get everybody on the same page, things are changing so quickly around us. You know, what if you would have asked me a year ago what's driving the change, I, I would have said, well, you know, it's mostly technology and then, you know, a bit around supply chain disruptions. And if you ask me in 2020, it's a lot of supply chain disruptions and, by the way, some technology in there, too. And, and so I, I guess the thing that I see as, as a challenge is just our, our learning capacity. So, you know, on, on the one hand, I, it just feels like we really need to hurry up and, and get everybody on board and teach them this stuff as fast as we can, as many people as we can, just so that we can have conversations about it and strategize and plan and execute. And at the same time, that really opens up the opportunity to innovate, which in many cases means to automate, to transform using, you know, digital stuff. And, and you know, this is the conversation now we're having. It's a great example. You know, Matt, you and I first tried to have this conversation in Nashville at a CSEMP conference. And we got sidetracked because we had so many other things to talk about. But, you know, here we are in, in 2020. We, you know, that same conference is a couple of weeks away. Under normal circumstances, we would have just done it now, right? Or done it this year at the conference. Right. And instead saying, okay, you know what? Let's just do this virtually. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, right? It's our first, all of us, it'll be our first time to go to CSCMP virtually. I can't imagine, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what it's going to be like. Well, Brian and Daniel, thank you so much for taking time to visit with me today about thought leadership, particularly in supply chain management. I'm fortunate to be able to know both of you, uh, two really world-renowned thought leaders in supply chain. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Be Epic podcast from the Walton College. You can find us on Google, SoundCloud, iTunes, or look for us wherever you find your podcast. Be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can find current and past episodes by searching Be Epic Podcast, one word, that's B-E-E-P-I-C podcast, and now Be Epic. Be Epic.